Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is back by popular demand. It is another episode of Ask Billy here on Flyers Daily. And joining us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer for part one. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good, but I'm starting to get itchy. Um, as of recording this, uh, the cup has not been handed out. I thought that maybe it would be handed out by now, but... Montreal staves off uh, elimination in overtime. And I got to ask you real quick: Did you see the, um, the the gif or the video of Carey Price when Montreal won the game in overtime to extend the series? Yes. Basically zero reaction. Yep. Not yep. shocking, right? No, not not whatsoever. I mean, listen, they still they have a mountain to climb here. You can't. Uh, I mean, it was you know nice nice to extend the series, but uh, you know they're really two wins away from it meaning anything you know at this yeah. point I, I i just i want to see them now come all the way back and win the cup because i want to see if the reaction's any different from him if they do because he is incredibly stoic and incredibly even keeled has been it's the hallmark of his it's weird because his game is that way and his personality is that way yeah. and that usually doesn't necessarily mean they go hand in hand no, it, it certainly does, and I, I would think to win a Stanley Cup, you would see, you know, you would see a different reaction. I mean, that, that's something that you know you play for your entire life, and a lot of players never get get there. I think that, um, you know, I, I think even if not on the ice in the locker room, I think it would it would sink in, and there would be, you know, be a very mo- it has to be. I've never I've never seen a player, no matter how stoic he is, be, you know, stoic to win the cup. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, you're a human being. Yeah, I think you just lose control. And I love the NHL put out the commercial a few years ago or promo, whatever you want to call it, of players being asked what it's like after they win the cup. And they all like either are just so choked up they can't speak, they can't put it into words, they they can't comprehend what just happened. That's what it means to win the cup. And we're going to see it handed out here, likely to Tampa in the next couple of days. And most likely. And, and listen, I mean, for Tampa, you know, it's, again, it's probably going to happen. You know what? It, it, it's not any less when you win it the second time. You know, it's uh, and it, it it won't hurt any less when they are finally unseated. Yeah. You know, the the only thing it does is it, it takes away some of the hurt of having been swept two years ago, and that, that's an, that's ancient history at this point. But it's um, you know, but I mean, it, it's it's a special thing for any player, and actually to win it a second time, because if there's anything harder than winning, it's defending it, it's particularly under all this the odd circumstances there have been this season. I mean, it's uh. You know, it's something special and something something worthy of respect. Well, the one thing, where where do you kind of look at them from a historical perspective? Assuming they're going to win this, and I think that's a big assumption, but not not a huge assumption. But they, they win this cup. They've been to what five conference finals in in a long in a chunk of years. This would be back to back cups, and cups now are different than they were before. More teams, it's harder to win. Uh, soon to be 32 teams, salary cap, all of those different things. Where, where would you kind of put this team in historical perspective? It's got to be up there with some of the greats. Uh, I mean, just look what uh, they look what they put on the ice. <laughs> oh, certainly. I mean, you know, I would put them up there. You know, where where would you rank Pittsburgh's back-to-back cups, which are semi-recent? I mean, you know, that you have uh, an absolutely loaded roster, great goaltending, you know, arguably the best defenseman in the game. Um, you know, superstar forwards. I mean, it's it, it's a packed team. With a, it's also a very well coached team. I mean, they they have to be up there. And if they were to win 
another one, then then you're talking them it seems like the Islanders and those kind of teams that had the long cup dynasties. You know, it's uh they they've they've earned it though. They've they've earned the right to be in that conversation. Yeah, since the back to back four in a row for Montreal after they eliminated the Flyers in what, seventy six and then, the, then of course, the Islanders win the four in a row. We haven't had anybody win more than two in a row. Uh, so they'll have a chance if they're able to win this cup to do exactly that. We'll see if uh, they can accomplish that. Um, Bill, real quick before we get to the Ask Billy questions, um, the offseason is about ready to get underway. We saw the Victor Arvidsson deal uh, happen where Nashville made the trade with the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for Victor Arvidsson. Uh, the, the compensation wasn't very much. And I think a lot of people thought that maybe that would be the point that this offseason got started. Uh, I think it's still incredibly rare to see moves beginning to happen before the Cup's handed out and all the variables that this offseason has to boot. Uh, were you a little surprised at the deal? What would you think of it, given the compensation of a second and a third? Well, you know, if it, if it's true that Nashville is not going to protect him, then, you know, then you, you're accepting a little bit a little bit less in return. He, you know, to me, to me, he's a player. He's a player of his caliber. Who's a two-time 30-goal scorer, who's led the NHL in shorthanded goals. Who, if you look at, you know, if, if you look at uh, how good he is, um, like stick on puck. I mean, some of his, his giveaway to takeaway ratios are, are crazy, particularly in the playoffs. Those players, those players don't, you know, grow on trees, and they're not easily available very often. I mean, for, for Los Angeles. They're they're taking a little bit of a gamble in that, um, you know, in, in that he's had a, a C. A, well, this season was a down year, and the half season before that, uh, ever since the cross check he took, he hasn't played all that great the last season and a half. You're hoping he bounces back, but if you're Los Angeles, that's a risk you take. I mean, for a 28 year old player, can step into your top six, can kill penalties, can can play in the power play, then you know, an outstanding brings outstanding speed. Uh, I, I think for Los Angeles, that's certainly a risk you take. And for for Nashville, I mean, you know, if, if you might have lost him for nothing, then then that that's a, not a bad return. And they are getting a second round pick out of it, but it's um, you know, but it, it took me aback a little bit. And my my first reaction was, you know, the Flyers could, could use a player like uh, yeah, like Arvidsson. And then then you start looking at some of the cap numbers and some of the other things. You know, they have other needs too. Okay, maybe maybe that doesn't work out, but that's uh, for for LA. I you know, I think it's a risk worth worth taking for them, and if that trade cost why not? Yeah, they seem like a team that's really in the mood to retool pretty quick here and get a a quick spin around and try and get back into the conversation. Uh, let's get to our Ask Billy questions. Here comes the first one for you from Dave TX. He says, "I'm not ready to throw the to throw Nolan Patrick into the scrap heap, but other than the obvious health issues, can you compare and contrast his early career with?" Uh, players like Pat Falloon or Alexander Daig. He goes, are there parallels with them that don't bode well for NP's future? So Falloon and Daig are two guys that obviously were taken at the top of the draft and uh, didn't have the career that, uh, you know, everybody expects when a player is taken in first or second that they're going to be automatically a guarantee. That's not the case. I mean, you look at certain drafts and, you know, you mentioned Daig, you look at the top of the 99 draft. So those two players, is, is there any parallels there that you see, Bill, other than the fact that, you know, he hasn't performed well? Really different kind of players. You know, yeah. one balloon, small guy, was expected to be a, a high-scoring sniper. Actually, he didn't get off to a bad start on some pretty bad San Jose teams. 
but he never matched it again. He never he never had that thirty goal year. He never, you know, he never got the seventy five or more points. Of course, he had a, a little sin with the Flyers for for a time. Even with Flyers, he had I think twenty two goals and about three quarters of a season. So it wasn't disastrous numbers. Actually, they're numbers that um, Patrick has yet to hit. Yeah. But, um, you know, but Falloon was a guy, kind of a one-dimensional player, and you didn't get enough of that one dimension. And I, I think that ultimately was what took his career down a peg where, okay, well, if he's not going to get you 30 goals, and he's never a guy you want out on the ice, you know, down by a goal or, or, or rather up by a goal late in the game or in a tie game, you know, then what's he bringing you? And he was prone to, you know, he, he was a streak scorer. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really see a parallel with Patrick there. With Dag, maybe a little because, I mean, there are some who question, maybe question desire a little bit with Patrick. I don't know how fair that is or isn't. That certainly was always the knock on, on Alexander Dag. Uh, I mean, Dag could fly up and down the ice. He was one of the fastest skaters in the league. Um, oddly enough, he tended to slow down when he had the puck on the stick. He skated much faster when he didn't have the puck. That was it. Couldn't play fast with the puck. Exactly right, and that that, that was something that um, was an unpleasant surprise when he got to the NHL. Another guy who started out with like like a twenty-something goal year on a bad Ottawa team, and yep. never never really never really hit the heights. He uh, took some time away from hockey, and then he, he came back with Minnesota, and he prolonged his career a little bit. But but not neither. I mean, I guess in the extent that Patrick hasn't lived up to the expectations yet. But in terms of the type of player he is, even the position he plays, I mean, Dag did did come in come in the league as a center, and then was switched to wing, and Balloon was a winger. But I don't, you know, I I don't see direct comparisons over over in terms of you know. Any anything other than where they were drafted and not meeting expectations. So I guess I guess to that extent there's some parallels, but not as a player. Yeah, and of course Dade played in, in Philadelphia as well uh, in the in mid to late uh, '90s. Uh, so both players uh, had a stint here. So maybe that's the parallel that we got to stick with. That they all wore the same uh, logo at one point. Uh, let's go to CJW1965, and he says, "What are the chances that both JVR and Jake are back be- next season?" Uh, will Flyers' Twitter explode? Well, if they both are, I guarantee that Flyers' Twitter is going to explode no matter what. <laughs> Let's just leave that there. He goes, but no, seriously, I think one will be gone. So besides the likelihood that Fletcher goes and gets a number one D, uh, trades which forward out there could be picked up for the top six, saying you lose one of those JVR or Jake. So first of all, what what do you think about the, the likelihood that both of those guys are returning? There's a chance that the Flyers are going to try to – to move a big salary this offseason. And they're the they two obvious, yeah. And they, if they don't lose either guy in the expansion draft, and I think just the amount of term remaining on, on Jake Voracek's deal makes him the less likely to be selected. Um, you know, with, with Voracek, I think you're taking a contract back or similar term. Uh, and um, I, I think JVR has some – it's the guy who, who they could move this offseason to, to get a little bit of added cap space. I would say that it's less than 50-50 that they're both back, but not impossible. And yes, Flyers Twitter would certainly explode. Bill, if they protect JVR with the intention of trading him, thinking they can get something in return or in some sort of package, would that surprise you? Well, it would, unless unless they work out a deal ahead of time with yeah. a guy who you would otherwise protect. I, I saw in the Del, you know, Delaware County Times that... Uh, 
advocating for not protecting Nolan Patrick in the draft. And for you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't lose him for nothing. I don't, no. I don't know if he has a ton of trade value right now, but you can't lose him for nothing to, to Seattle. I, if, you, if you dangle him out there, it's a no-brainer to take him. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you do that. I think as long, as long as he's not traded beforehand, then, uh, then Patrick is a guy you have to protect. If you, if you do protect JVR, what forward do you expose? Yeah, that's right? the thing. You, 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 you're starting with two guys who are on no movement clause contracts, so they both have to be protected, and then you, then you just do the math. And I, I, I don't think that uh, unless there's a deal that's out there beforehand, I don't think you protect. You know, you're, they're going to be able to protect it. Yeah, and we're going to get to some questions about Nolan Patrick uh, beyond that as well. But you're right with Nolan. The other, the thing that makes him have some value is that he doesn't have money tied to him. So maybe not for an expansion pickup, or you're not going to use him in a trade that way. But as part of some kind of bigger deal. He is a, a pretty valuable piece because he still is a second overall pick. Dealt with injury. We understand everything that's happened, and maybe a change of scenery does help. But he also does not have money attached to him, so that adds to his value. Sure. Yeah, he's, he's restricted free agent this offseason again. Doesn't not have hard. arbitration rates, uh, yep. right? And, he, and he has no leverage. You know, he's, he's going to make a another prove-it one-year contract. And um, it's not, you know, it's going to be a contract that really any team in the league could take on. So he does become a valuable piece that you could add into a, a larger trade. Let's get to Derek Georgopoulos's uh, question. Uh, one of my, f- another Greek man there with a good Greek last name in Georgopoulos. Uh, he says, is Sam Reinhart on Chuck Fletcher's radar at all? He said, I haven't heard much about him in any rumors or speculation. Top 10 in goals and could really help the power play, what would be a reasonable price for Reinhardt? I have not really heard much about Reinhardt in the Flyers. I think that Chuck Fletcher's probably kicked tires on him, uh, but I haven't heard a lot there, Bill. Um, what do you think about uh, that as a possibility as a target for Chuck and the likelihood of it? Uh, I think that um, you address the need for a number one defenseman or, or top, or at least a 1A, 1B kind of thing, right right defense in the top pair with Provorov. And then you see how much cap space you have and what assets you still have. I mean, uh, you know, if you can get Reinhardt, fantastic. But um, I, I don't, I don't see that as, uh, you know, a, a top of the list option. Um, you know, and listen, I mean, the, in Buffalo, they also have to figure out what's going to happen with Jack Eichel. Yeah, this is getting so, to be a mess. Yes, yes, it is. And um, you know, particularly with Buffalo taking the stance and wanting, if they move him, wanting the team they trade him to to take the risk if he undergoes the surgery well, I, you know i don't understand that it's point a big of view red flag <laughs> yeah it's, it's a huge red flag and you're talking about moving a you know moving a a star caliber player you're you're torpedoing his trade value if you do that yep just, just because of that huge red flag of a potentially career-threatening injury you're gonna you're gonna be getting a fraction of what he's worth if you see it out and he's a healthy player so if you move, you know, if you end up in a situation with Eichel, you're at an impasse, and maybe you move him. I don't, I don't see them moving Reinhardt yeah. just because, you know, you have to have something there, right? Well, yeah, you have to, but um, it's Buffalo, so you never know. But yeah, the, the thing with Eichel, you know, they're going to have to let teams look at his medicals before any kind of deals even really gets to a level of. Okay, if you're willing to do this, I'm willing to do that. But I gotta have I gotta have several of my doctors and then some pour over these medicals with this injury in the back. 
So absolutely, you you have to have some certainty. You're gonna have you're gonna have the player, you know, that you, you think you're getting. I mean, it's just uh, and and when is he available? How long? How long is the rehab period? I mean, I would be I'd be nervous for a couple of years actually. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah, the back's ooh, nothing to mess around with. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, that's almost a deal breaker. It, I, I like the player a lot, but what it's gonna cost to get him, and I'm incurring some risk there. I can't have that happen. I can't. There's too much money owed. And I know you got LTIR and all that, but I can't give up what I got to give up to get him an, an LTIR guy. I just can't do it. it it's too much risk. Um, which brings us to the next question from uh, Stacy. Uh, the question is if the Jones trade, Seth Jones, doesn't happen for the Flyers, who do you think they will target for defense? Now, let's start here, first part of that, Bill. Do you think that Seth Jones is the top target for Chuck Fletcher? I believe so. It seems I to be too. all the Seems to be all the indications are there, and the only thing that the Flyers would back off of that only if he's intent on free agency in a year, and you know the rental price for a year would be, you know, I, I think would be excessive anyway. But then, then you might back off of the deal and, and look elsewhere. But I think I think he is the the top target. I saw Dan Silver post this on Twitter, and I'm gonna give him credit because I think it's a, it's an interesting th- thought process. If you acquire Jones as a rental. You get you get him for this year, a highly motivated player playing for his financial future, and a player that is not making a lot of money this year, so you can fit him easily and you can bring some other assets in. You expose him to your organization in hopes that you can extend him. You also give up a price that's commensurate, you know, commensurate with being a rental, not an extension. Sure. And the other part of that is that now you have this player, and if it doesn't work out, you flip him at the deadline, and his value could be even more than what you gave up for him. Does this make sense? It, that, that, that does make some sense. Yeah, I mean, you want to have a, a long-term plan on the blue line. That's the, that's the only thing. If you're yeah. flipping him to the deadline or potentially losing him in a year, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be moving a first-round pick. In the deal. I mean, that's just, that's just going to be part of the price mm-hmm. of doing business and then another asset on top of it if he can live with that sure you know then random for years as you said this year he's not making a ton of money this year you can this year with their available cap space right now they could fit him on and maybe do a couple of small things too um but you know let's let, let's play this through to where okay jones is off the table he's moved elsewhere they back off for, for you know one reason or another well uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton is going to draw top dollar. I mean, that's that's something else too. Where, you know, you're going to pay more from this year and beyond that, and you know. I, I, but I mean, I, I think I think at the very least they have to do their due due diligence and consider that possibility. Just because you're not, it's not a trade. Yeah, it's, it's a free agent. And then you can move some other pieces around to try to make the cap dollars work out, right? Um, who else? Who else is out there? There, there. They talked about Matias Ekholm. If he doesn't extend, and not I don't Matthew. think he's going anywhere. To be honest with you, I no, think I, Boyle's I think reloading. He, I think he stays put. Um, you know, might they might they revisit Ryan Ellis? That's a possibility. I mean, Ellis Ellis still has six years to go on his contract, and is thirty years old. Yeah. And if they're, you know, if they're retooling to an extent, I mean, you know, they're gonna. I mean, they they still have Yossi. And they still have, uh, you know, assuming at home safe, but they still have, they still have those two guys. Um, although Ellis is a, obviously a critical player in that team, but maybe, you know, maybe you revisit 
doing something like that. Um, and they always have D coming too. <laughs> yeah, they, they always do. They they draft really well. And yeah, they, and they, they develop them very well. I mean, listen, they they were the team that traded Seth Jones in the first place to Columbus, and they didn't really skip a beat. I could see them, like, if you're making a deal for a Ryan Ellis, I could see them saying, okay, we're giving you a D, but we want a D, and they're going to look at a Phil Myers or a Travis Sanheim. So they're basically trading years to a, you know, they're trading in their, their old lease for a younger lease is what they're right. doing. Right. And knowing that those players with those top-end players like yeah, Roman Yossi and, and Matias Ekholm, that they're in a role that's going to be suitable for them for the foreseeable, you know, next couple of years, I could see that being a desirable thing for them. Sure. And uh, I mean that 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 certainly is a, a possible route. I um you know not necessarily for the top pairing, but somewhere in somewhere towards the upper end. Yeah, you know, revisited Buffalo again. There's Ristolainen's name mm-hmm. to come up sometimes. So uh, Adam Larson is a unrestricted free agent this off season. You know he's more of a shutdown type of defenseman. A lot of defensive zone starts. You're not going to get a ton of points out of him, but he you know but he'll kill penalties, eat a lot of minutes, right-handed shot. You know, that, that's another avenue you can explore. And then, you know, Tampa Bay may have some cap issues this offseason and protection issues for the expansion draft. Yeah. So could a guy like uh, Eric Chernick potentially be available, who's become a 20-minute-a-night 20, 20 defenseman for them, right-handed shot, plays about 20 minutes a game. Uh, you know, he, he's an upgrade on what Phil Myers has given you up to this point in his career. You know, there are there are there are other options that are out there that are lesser pieces, right? There's uh, maybe uh, maybe Nate Schmidt is available again this offseason. There are there are rumblings of that anyway, and Calgary might even be able to eat some salary on that. Yeah. So you yeah. know there there are players there are players that are out there. I mean, obviously the the biggest name is is going to be Seth Jones, and you know then you're you're looking at a, a step down or a long long term commitment commitment to an older player. Or whatever whatever the case might be, but there have there have to be a lot of irons in the fire. You you can't just tie yourself to one player. Yeah, Steve Hassas had tweeted in and said, uh, given Tampa Bay's cap constraints for next season, do you see Ryan McDonough as a potential Flyers target if they Tampa choose to go with the seven three one protection list? I think it's gonna be really hard to get a guy like Ryan McDonough out of there. I really I, do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, I, I don't think you get McDonough out of there. Obviously, Hedman is their the franchise defenseman. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they have then they have a choice to make if they do protect the, the third defenseman. That's why Chernak might be out there. I mean, most, you know, I mean, just just speaks to the depth that they have there, right? Yeah. So. Um, Peter tweeted in Peter Karpovich, Karpovich. I hope I said it right, Peter. He said, "Where would you rank three C on the list of needs, and what kind of guy are you looking for there?" And that's a really interesting can to open right now because we just talked about Nolan Patrick. That that was the plan. Uh, when they got Kevin Hayes, we just uh, we, we talk about Morgan Frost as maybe a, an asset that can make this team next year, or maybe he's part of a package. I don't know. Uh, where does three C rank, Bill, and what's the solution? <laughs> I think three C is a need on the team. Um, you know, it, it's. Uh, I mean, you, know, you you could go in. You could have Scott Lawton as your three C. You could play four C. You could move him back to wing. I personally like him in left wing. And when you're able to play them in the way, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, you, you do have some options that are out there, but it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an expensive hole to fill, you know, it, it always is. So, I mean, I, I think, in, I think having another guy who can kill penalties up front 
is a definite need that needs to be addressed this offseason. Um, so you want another two-way forward somewhere in the mix there. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to, to going out and getting a getting a three C type. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm trying to think of some names that, that may be out there, um, or at least at least top nine caliber forward. If, even if not a even if not a uh, a center. Center. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I, I mentioned, R and H at one point, but he he resigned. You know, you know those kind of guys. But yeah, uh, he got a ton of term, but. Yeah, and then Kali Yarncrook, he's a year from being a uh, unrestricted, but he's a good he's a good two way forward, mm-hmm. and he'll get you he'll get you a dozen to fifteen goals in a, on the third line. Yeah, he, I mean he's a you know he's a he's a pretty useful hockey player, and you know you're only committed to it for a year. I mean that kind of Philip Deneau. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, Deneau was Deneau was a player that I like quite a bit, and actually uh, he was really good against the Flyers in the playoffs. Yes, you know, he was. He was one of Montreal's best players in that series. Elite so, shutdown center, Bill. Right? You you ab- you absolutely have you absolutely have to have that. Yeah, some somewhere in the mix, and yep. uh, you know, and if Morgan Frost does make the team, he's an offensive player. I I, I would I still wouldn't be opposed to trying Frost in the wing if he's, if he's part of the wing. So. You think Deneau's an option they look at? I, I think that that certainly is a name they should consider. It's out yeah. there. You know, that's, uh, People say, "Well, he doesn't score; he doesn't get any points," and I get it. But keeping the puck out of your net, and in my experience in the game, has been just as important as putting it in the net. Every bit, every bit is important, and that uh, you know that that just just the way just the way you have the you know the, the mix of players where you could put Lawton back on a wing again, and I like him. I like him on the wing. Um, you know, or he, or he could be your fourth line center, the very good fourth line center. Yep. So I mean, you know. A player like Deneau would give you a, a lot of flexibility in your lineup, and I, I can I consider that to be something desirable for the offseason. I think I think he would be a, a nice piece to add, even you know even if they can go get the defenseman they want to get. You know, I, I, it's a secondary piece that I would like to see you know explore. Okay, um, Stagger Lee tweets in. And this is my buddy Ed Riddy down at the shore. Good hockey man. His, his father actually started the hockey program at Malvern Prep. And I played with him and his brother growing up. But he gives us this question. This is a which would you rather happen with five different scenarios, Bill. All right? This is tough. He put some thought into this. Number one option, trade for Jones and sign a seven-year deal and give up three assets to do it. Second option, sign Hamilton to an eight-year deal, slightly inflated. Third option, trade for Ryan Ellis and lose two assets. Number four, trade for Eichel and Ristolainen, six assets, but two players. Or number five, rely on York and Zamola. Where are you going to pick there? I'll go first while you think about it for a second. If I'm going first in this in this scenario, I'm going for Jones. I believe in Jones. I know about the down years. I've been pretty vocal on this podcast that I think he's a good hockey player. And th- that would be where I would go. I get Jones. I give up the three assets. I have assets, tons of them. And I know that I can't have a hockey team full of 23 and under players. So I got to use them in some way, shape, or form. While I want to, I like Hamilton as a player a little bit more, I am also cognizant of the flat cap for a couple more years and the inflated cost. And I can't get things done in other areas that I need to accomplish. The, the eichel Ristolainen one is interesting to me, but as we talked about right off the hop, the Eichel thing scares me. And if I'm giving up six assets and I'm getting those two players 
and Eichel, for whatever reason, it has a shortened career or the career is not as effective as it should be because of the, the injury, then I got problems. But for me, I'm going number one. Yeah, uh, I, I, would, I would agree with you. You know, uh, Jones is still my number one target. Listen, listen, I mean, you know, if you go just by the, the numbers, then Hamilton is your guy. No question. I mean, if you, you just, if you just, you're, you're just a numbers guy, right? Hamilton had the, you know, all the, all the analytics people love Dougie Hamilton and particularly other ones that are not as enamored of Seth Jones. But I think relative to the fit on the team and your, your needs as a, as a hockey team, I think Seth Jones checks more boxes than Dougie Hamlin does. And I, and I like Hamlin quite a bit. I mean, Hamlin, he brings size, but not physicality. He's still young enough that uh, he should have you know, some good years left. I'm not, not worried about him, you know, dropping off a cliff or anything like that. Listen, cap space is an asset. And the amount of money it would take, not just not just in the long term, beyond this, you know, beyond this season, but, but right off the hop, you know, you're you're tying in and limiting your ability to do some other things. You know, when you cap yourself out or largely cap yourself out, all of a sudden it becomes harder to move to make some trades that uh, free up cap space because it is such a valuable asset, and you end up you end up having to package a pick, or you end up getting less in return because teams know you really need to create salary cap space. So if you can save a little bit right off the bat and plan longer term to absorb you know Jones's cap hit and you know you're 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 spending the resources up front rather than the back end to me that's that's the way to go yeah I I totally agree uh, you know when it comes to analytics it's it's such an argument and, and again you and I are not anti-analytics uh, but uh, I saw this tweet the other day from uh, at evolving wild on Twitter very analytics driven and does good work in the analytics community. But the, the whole thread of tweets, and the first tweet said, here's the first tweet. Points are bad for player evaluation in the NHL. Most of the time, they're really bad. The main issues with point totals, they don't account for defensive value. They do not account for teammates in any way. But the whole notion that points are not a good way to judge a hockey player, to me, is as absurd as it gets. <laughs> points matter. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Points, oh, God. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, I can't go with that. I don't. I don't even think most analytics people would, would take it take it to that level. Where I, I think they did their service a disservice by yeah, tweeting that. I agree. Out. I agree. And uh, I mean, obviously, obviously, points matter. And yes, you yes, who your line mates are can certainly affect your points. And yeah, but listen, who your line mates are and the system you play and all that can affect your analytics too. And certainly, the bottom line is. Certainly, the bottom line is you know how how productive you are as a player. I mean, you can't um, you, know, you can't uh, you can't just discount point totals. That that's like saying you ah, you know the Art Ross Trophy doesn't mean anything because points don't matter, right? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't. I can't go with that hypothesis. No. Well, I, I will tell you that I was having an exchange with a player, um, a Flyers player, and I'm not going to say who it was, but we were talking about the analytics, and this was just very recently, and. This player said to me, hockey is simple until you over-evaluate it. There's no analytics for fear on the ice when you're on the ice. Because when you have all the skills in the world, but it can all be easily taken away with fear, tough teams have more room to make plays. 
And then he said, does that make sense? And it does. And players that bring that element, that grit, and that fear to the opposition, they're not analytical players. But the effect they have on their players because of their presence on the ice is pronounced. So I think it's important to say that. I won't say who it was because he asked me not to. But Ooh, anyway. And then, yeah, and, and it's not just, you know, when you say physical, it's not just a matter of fighting, right? No, that's not and it. It's, and it's not just uh, – you know, and it's not just a question of hit totals either. Although, you know, that that's a piece that's a piece of the, the puzzle there. But as much as as much as you may dislike certain things that a player like Tom Wilson does, for example, you cannot deny that when Tom Wilson is on the ice, everyone's head is on a swivel and his line mates have more space to operate. That is yep. that is just a fact. You, whether you whether you hate the guy or like the guy, you, you can't deny that. And that that has a you know that the, the player who creates room and time and space for his line mates is still a vital piece in a lineup, and and I agree. It's not it's not an analytical thing. It's 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 something you you can observe. You can observe when sometimes when that guy's not in the lineup, how much how much of a, more of a struggle it is it is for you know for the most skilled of line mates sometimes to be able to you know, make the some of the same plays they make when the other guy who's maybe not as skilled is with them. It's all about, it's all about, we, we've talked a lot this off season about team building and that is, that's an element of team building that I think is still a necessary part of the game. So I would agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, you look at some of the big goals that Barkley Goudreau or Coleman has scored for Tampa at Maroon and game four gets the game tying goal. They end up losing the game, but still, you know, those guys can contribute too. They can play hockey, but they can also bring that other element that you need uh, to have success in the playoffs. Uh, Colin Newby tweets in, and this is an interesting question, Bill, because this has been one of the debates. Um, he says, who carries more overall trade value, Travis Konechny or Joel Farabee? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I mean, yeah, Farabee is still on his entry-level deal for one more year. Um, so it's the cap space piece of it, plus the fact that Farabee is – Already a pretty good, yeah. He's already a pretty good two-way player, and can you know figures to get better. I mean, Konechny has been an all-star, and um, you know, and, and scored twenty-four goals, led the team in scoring, blah 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 blah. So that you know, but and he's still young, and he's you have cost certainty with him too for a number of years to come. I think with four more years on, on his deal to go. So you know, you know, you know, you know what he's going to cost you for four more seasons. So there is something to be said for cost certainty as well. Um, I would say that uh, I would say that this particular off season, you might have a little bit more value in Faraby, but that's uh, that that's all that's all recency bias, you know. And I think in the in the bigger picture, when you look at um, you know skill level and, and development path, this season aside. You know, I, I don't think you have any absence of trade value in Connect Me, but I just think in terms of you know, right now uh, of another year of making under a million dollars, etc. You know, I'd say right at this moment you might be able to to um, you know get a little bit more. You know, if you if you're bang for your buck, if you're moving if you're moving Faraby, but I but I think that that can that can change very rapidly too. And listen, I'm not I don't want to see the Flyers give either player away, but in in the right deal. In the right deal, I'd move just about anybody in yep. the team. Um, Absolutely. So. And you consider they're both wingers. Yes. You know, I think people forget that Travis Konechny was the team's all-star before the pandemic hit. 
24 goals in that shortened season. He was on a 30-goal pace. Joel Farabee had 20 in this shortened goal season. It's a 30-goal pace. Uh, but, but I think people forget because he didn't score in the bubble and the season was very erratic for Travis Connecting, up and down, healthy scratched even. So I think that they you know forget that uh, uh, that he, the year prior, I don't think his game has vacated him. I think maybe the circumstances of the pandemic, he didn't handle as well as some other players did. I think that's the, the human element of it. All right, that's going to put a wrap on part one of Ask Billy. Part two coming up on Friday's episode. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday on Ask Billy on Flyers Day. Well, you've heard about love and giving sight to the blind. My baby loving cause the sun to shine. And she's my sweet little thing. She's my pride.